Acts chapter 9. Thank you. Before I get going to Acts chapter 9 this morning, let me tell you a little bit about, you know, Redemption City. And I, I do bring you greetings from Redemption City. You know, it says that in the scripture. So I, our church loves your church. Y'all blessed us in so many ways. And let me just first say what an honor it is to, to, to preach in my big bros. Pastor Jerry Stevens has been huge in my life. I wouldn't say it to his face. I can't trust him with that, but I can say it to y'all. He is, he's like a big brother in the faith to me. He's mentored me shaped me in so many ways. He's made fun of me when I needed it. I think this is primary spiritual gift, as a matter of fact. And so I'm so, y'all got God's best with Dr. Jerry Stevens. And then I, I love Pastor Avery. New friends, looking forward to lunch today. Have so much respect and love for him. Can you give it up for your campus pastor, lead campus pastor here? Love him. And so Champion Forest does so much for our church and churches all around the country. It's Mission Sunday, and so y'all help plant our church. Start a new church in Fort Worth, Texas. And so in so many ways. So y'all bless us financially. Amen. My family is eating food on the table because of y'all. Okay. Yeah. I'll, yeah. My kids clap for that too. All right. So me and my best friend, we come on study retreats to Houston to plan out sermons for the year. Y'all pay for that. And we go to the Lanier library and just plan out sermons for the year. My church doesn't have those kind of resources. So y'all doing, y'all do all kind of stuff like that that you don't even know about. And the biggest way that y'all have and will ever bless our church is sitting right here. Can y'all stand for me? Alvaro and Cecilia Alvarez. So they're He's a re- Pastor Alvaro is a resident in your uh, CF in Espanol, and they're about to move to Fort Worth to start a work in Spanish in our church, okay? So y'all pray for the Alvarez's. They're moving to Fort Worth in 2023, and so uh, Alvaro, Cecilia, Alvarez, y'all, y'all write that down. Pray for them. Amen. All right, so let me share the two reasons that we planted a church in Fort Worth. And, I, and I'm going to preach, don't worry. kind of feels like our radio, but so two reasons we planted in Fort Worth. One, to reach the lost. It's amazing what God is doing in Fort Worth. Y'all are seeing it here in the Houston area as well. But Fort Worth, little old Fort Worth, is now the 13th largest city in the country. On its own. Not counting that city to our east that starts with a D that we don't talk about in Fort Worth. We don't need them. We don't want them. Okay? All right. So Fort Worth is bigger than San Francisco, Denver, Boston, on its own now. So we've grown by 26% in 10 years. From 2010 to 2040, we will double in Fort Worth. So God is bringing the nations to us. And we're so excited about this. So we're, we're there to reach the lost. Already 100% of the people who are coming to our church were unchurched, de-churched, or are new to the area. So it's 100% kingdom growth that God's bringing to us. 24 countries represented in our little church already. It's amazing. And so whenever you give to Champion Forest, you're giving through Champion Forest to works like ours all over the country and the world. So please continue to do that. So, uh, you know, so the second reason that we planted uh, is to plant more churches. Okay, and so we, within 10, 15 minutes of TCU and Southwestern Seminary, where I went to seminary, and so we believe, and we're, we're 10, 15 minutes from a military base from Lockheed Martin, so we see Fort Worth as a strategic area to reach the nations, to launch a lot of churches in our country and around the world with people that move there for different reasons, and then we could launch back out. And so pray for us as we go on those endeavors. Let me tell you one story before I get into the text this morning, the Delgados. Jess, uh, Jesse and Kat Delgado, they were in Oregon, they, they they lived in Oregon, and last November, they were like, enough of this. I'd had enough of the West Coast. And so they, they packed up all four of their kids, and they just moved to Texas. They were applying to jobs as they were driving to Texas. Okay? They go, enough of the West Coast. I'm going to Texas. That's what everybody So we're going. So they got there. They were there for a few days, and they were like, we're trying to start new. Maybe we should try something we never, we never tried before. Let's go to church. And so they saw it. Last Sunday, we were driving by the YMCA. We meet in the YMCA. And there were flags out. Maybe let's go to that. Maybe that's the church. So they come in, never really been to church, 
This spring, mom and dad got saved last Sunday. They baptized their 16-year-old son. The dad baptized his son into the faith. And so, y'all please pray. We, we cover your prayers at Redemption City. Thank you so much. Uh, so two ways that you can bless us, pray for us. And then two, if you know anybody in Fort Worth that's looking for a church, or maybe they're outside of the church and they would love to, or they would be open to meeting with a pastor, my email, I think, may be up there, Matt at Redemption City, FW.com. Email me their information, and I promise you, we're going to be all over. All right, let's get to the text. Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 43. Let's look at Sister Tabitha. Y'all ready? Say, I'm one of those preachers. The, the quality of the preaching actually increases if you'll holler back at me. Yeah. Amen. I, I, the, in my home church, there was a guy named Mr. Johnny. He would wave, wave a red handkerchief, handkerchief around. All right, I'll take anything, okay? Amen. That's it. Say it again. Any of that works, okay? Ch Acts 9, 36-43. Now, there was in Joppa, that's a town, a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. Dorcas is kind of tough, so we're going to roll with Tabitha today. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she got sick and died, and when they washed her body, they laid her uh, in an upper room. Since Lydda, the town that they were in, was uh, since Lydda was near Joppa, two towns there, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there in Lydda, sent two men to Peter, urging him, hey, please come to Joppa, come see us without delay. So Peter rose and he went to them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room where Tabitha's body was laid, and all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing their tunics and other garments that Dorcas Tabitha made while she was alive. And, but Peter kicked everybody out of the room. He knelt down, he prayed, and he turned to Tabitha's body and he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and then she saw Peter and she sat up and he gave her his hand and raised her back up and he called all the saints and widows back in and presented Tabitha alive and it became known all throughout Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for days with one Simon with a, a ten. Uh, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Tabitha was a disciple of Jesus, a faithful disciple, she got sick and died. Okay, we see that in the text. And Tabitha's church, they, they knew that the apostle Peter, they had heard that he was doing all kind of miracles in Jesus' name, and so they're like, it's a long shot, but let's send two men over to Lydda where he is, and let's see, maybe he can come and raise him from the dead. I mean, who knows, but at least, let's at least try it. What are we going to do without Tabitha? Let's at least try. So he gets there, Peter does, and to awake, basically, you see the scene. They're crying, they have on funeral clothes, and he kicks everybody out of the room, and what I assume kind of Peter fashion, kind of direct the room, okay? And he, he prays, he kneels, prays, turns to the body, and he says, Tabitha, go ahead and get up. And she does. She was dead, and now she's alive, okay? And then he calls everybody back in, and he goes, hey, hey everybody, here goes Sister Tabitha. What in the world? It, it, it's crazy. So Tabitha was a very good disciple, and she was a leader. She discipled people there in her home church, and she, the people really loved her, right? So much so that they, she, when she dies, they're like, what? Everybody else dies, they're like, all right, well, let's plan a funeral. Tabitha dies, they're like, what are we going to do now? How are we going to, how's our church going to function without Sister Tabitha, you know? Now, if you were to read this story with first century eyes, a few things would jump off the page. First, her funeral was attended by a lot of widows. Now, widows were down and out in first century Joppa. He didn't invite them to dinner parties. He didn't socialize with them. He didn't really help them. You got as much distance as you could from widows. Uh, but here we are at her funeral, and they're mourning because she really helped them. She really took care of them. 
They were even wearing clothes. It said that they were showing tunics. They were wearing clothes that she made with her hands for them. Tabitha would take care of these women that the rest of society threw to the side. Okay, she cared for these women that, for, that nobody had anything to do with. And then she dies, and they're like, what are we going to do now? <laughs> What's the next? So church, listen. You know, we're the people who take care of people. That's who we are. Especially the ones who society has thrown out. If you're following in the way of Jesus, you're taking care of somebody who nobody else cares about. Did you know that hospitals were first started by Christians? It was us. In the second century in Rome, a plague broke out that was called a pandemic. And everybody moved out of the cities for safety to take care of themselves. But then Christians moved into Roman cities to take care of the sick and dying. So they were showing hospitality. Thus hospitals were born. This is who we are. Always from Jesus himself. And I love the ending of verse 36. It says that Tabitha was, quote, full of good works and acts of charity. Man, what a testimony. When boiled down to one sentence, Tabitha's life was full of good works and acts of charity. So my first application question that I want you to think through today and this week, really think about, what would my one sentence testimony be? Take a moment to think about it. If you were to drop dead today, okay, what would the summary of your life be? He was a faithful disciple maker and friend. She served her community with joy. She was talented and arrogant. She, he was super passionate about how terrible the other That's what he was about. So her simple service to unnoticed people is the exact same sort of disciple that Jesus is looking for in Jersey Village this morning. Okay, church. Uh, so many Christians think that they can't make it. I hear this all the time, and Pastor Abraham sure does as well as we meet with people. They, so many Christians think that they can't make this big impact because they don't know enough about the Bible. They don't know if they haven't memorized enough verses. They haven't read the books. But you can make a world-changing impact with what you know. You ready? Jesus loves me, this I know. And now live that out. Do put, uh, put feet to action there. The world tells us to be impressive, and we are told and we're sold that the kind of life that's really going to be fulfilling is one full of important people doing important things. But Tabitha invested her life in the poor, and she was satisfied in Christ. Uh, so when I ask, what would your, what's your name on it, one sentence testimony be, I really want you to think about it. I want you to be honest with yourself. So many Christians, forgive me, spend their lives on things that don't really matter. But here, we see, we see the pathway to happiness here in Tabitha's testimony. Okay, serving people who needed her, that's a happy life. A life of godliness, acts of good works, and acts of charity. That's a life of godliness, a life of happiness. Elizabeth Elliot, in a book that we all need to read, in Passion and Purity, she wrote, By trying to grab fulfillment everywhere, we find it nowhere. That's, that's what the, the world is promising us. Have you ever noticed, this is a universal truth, that everyone who comes back from a mission trip says the same exact thing. I went there to bless them, but they blessed me. Why does everybody say that? <laughs> Across cultures and time, everybody coming back from mission here's what, here's what they're really saying. I thought that by getting my hands dirty that it was going to be hard, but it was going to be... But I, I noticed that as I was living in the way of Jesus, it really felt good. It really felt amazing as I was spreading peace and joy and love. And see, in the way of Jesus, that's the only pathway to happiness. That's it, okay? The world promises you all sorts of ways for fulfillment, all sorts of ways for happiness. We think money and fame bring life. Y'all, have we not learned by now? All of us are like, I know money can't make me happy, but if I could just get a raise, you know? My man Chance the Rapper says, some people are so poor that all they have is money. Yeah. Uh, we think that accruing likes and shares 
things happen, but what we find in that, that little rat race is once I get to that next level of likes, what I really want is that next level. And then what I really want is that next level, okay? It's true like, real satisfaction can never come from being beautiful or handsome, and I can tell you that from personal experience, okay? So, so many, that was a big laugh. Um, uh, so many, so many of us, did you know that uh, Americans spent some $15 billion on cosmetic surgeries last year? So you can look like the models on Instagram, because as a heads up, the models on Instagram do not look like the models on Instagram. Okay, it's called editing. Victoria's Secret is Botox. Amen. Okay, so a survey recently found that 94% of women, 94% wished they were more beautiful. So if all of a sudden you were, do you think that, do, do I think that you would really be totally satisfied? I don't think so. You know, uh, pursuing pleasure will not bring lasting life. Hugh Hefner. He had all the money, power, and women you could ever want, and he was asked in an interview, what's missing in your life? And he said, I want the words and the songs to be true. There's something missing. And if you look for pleasure, you're never going to find it. First Timothy says that she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. So the world shouts, live for yourself. Man, do what you want. Get rich, sleep around, do what you want to do. But what we see over and over again is that that pathway leads to death. But if you choose Jesus, you get life because Jesus is life. Crowned in heaven, whoever started the clap. Don't buy what the world is selling, man. I know, I know they got good marketing, they got good propaganda, but all that stuff, that, all that stuff they promise will make you happy never will. It can't. Happiness is found in practicing the way of Jesus and serving people. After all, the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served, the King of Kings Himself. First John, chapter four says, "Perfect love casts out fear." Are you fearful? Be a little anxious, well, go love somebody. Love casts fear out of your heart. That's the way God's kingdom works. Look back at verse 39. Peter walked into the room where Tabitha's body was laid, and the verse says, All the widows stood beside him. Not just that they, they were weeping. See that they were crying their eyes out. Imagine the scene. Tabitha's dead, a bunch of widows who nobody cared for, they're crying their eyes out because their person, Tabitha's gone now. They don't know she'll be back alive in a minute. They don't know how this, they don't know about verses they've ever known not who died who stayed dead with one notable exception amen so they see their beloved Tabitha laying there and they just cry you see the scene so here's my second application uh, question I'd like you to write down and really think about this week maybe talk about it in your small group talk about it with your family who would cry at my funeral not who would attend oh the mayor's here Whoa. who would cry at your funeral verse 39 mentioning that the widows were showing their tunics, it gives us a really clear sense that they needed Tabitha for survival. These women couldn't get jobs like we can now, okay? They depended on her for everything. She made their clothes. She fed them. They needed her for spiritual and emotional well-being. They needed her. They loved her. They knew that she loved them, and then she dies, and they're sobbing at her funeral. So let's be a little morbid, a little morbid this morning, and imagine our funerals, okay? Who would be crying at your who are you serving in Jesus' name today that would be crying at your funeral two or three days from now? It's a sobering question. Uh, would there be a bunch of foster kids going, man, I wouldn't have had a home if not for you? Or a man at your funeral going, you know what? I messed up, I messed up, but they were at my house every night during my darkest days. I don't know where I'd be without them and their ministry in my life. 
Look for opportunities to open your home. Look for opportunities to serve people, to step into somebody's life. Let me give you another example. So my parents are really great Christians. They really are. And one of the things that they did that I didn't even know that they were doing as I was growing up, they made our home really welcoming for my friends, for other teenagers, right? And so I would have, so my mom would get like snacks that certain friends liked. My dad would like chat my buddies up, which sometimes was embarrassing, but it, they loved it, so I went with it, okay? And so I didn't even know, so I would have certain friends that would stay, for, stay with us for a month or two at a time. And I didn't even, I just thought it was fun. Now I know how much it costs to feed a teenage boy, okay? What a sacrifice it is, sacrifice and sleep and all these different things. My parents did it with a happy heart. But, so when I was in high school, 8 to 10 guys. So now, if my parents were to die today, there would be 8 to 10 young men, youngish men from my high school days that would be crying at my parents' funeral going, thank you for opening your home when I was a teenager. Thank you for inviting me and including me into your family. So my parents' time, attention, and hospitality changed their lives. Many of them are now pastors. In full-time ministry. Listen, you don't have to be able to preach like Billy Graham to make a world-changing impact. Okay? You can spark a revival right here in Jersey Village by simply living out the way of Jesus, by serving people in Jesus' name. If you look for needs to meet, if you look for people to serve, you're going to find them pretty easily. I promise you that. I, I think that simple Christian hospitality is our strongest evangelistic tool in 2022. I really do. Uh, by simply being kind, by caring for, by giving of ourselves sacrificially, we can show people who Jesus really is. I guarantee you, by the way, that there's foster kids around us right now. I guarantee you that there is a widow within a mile of where we sit who feels alone. I promise you. I guarantee you there's a young man, young adult woman in our area right now who didn't grow up with a father or mother and would love some mentorship or some guidance. Right around where we sit, let's step into those gaps. Let's be the church. Let's serve this city, given our times and our lives until we die or until Jesus comes back. That's what I want my story to be. Man, he served the heck out of Fort Worth and then he died. But my story won't be that unless I actually serve people this week. I can't just wish it into existence, okay? Too often, we're moving so fast and we're in such a hurry that we don't see people. We don't see the lonely person. We don't see the hurting person. We don't notice that they're by themselves in a coffee shop. We don't notice the things around us. Go read the Gospels and you'll see... How often Jesus sees the other, the overlooked, and the obvious. So many of the stories of Jesus encountering people, it's just so obvious that they're in need, that they need somebody to love them, to reach out to them, and he steps into those gaps. Notice, I want you to read the Gospels later, and just notice how often Jesus is interrupted. But he never goes, actually, i got a pretty full agenda today. My calendar's full, if you would, please step aside. At one point, a bunch of rowdy kids step up to him, and they're all in his grill as he's trying to teach. And the, you know, the, his disciples throw up a wall around him like they're the secret service. And they're like, no, 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 he can't do this today. He can't do this right now. And then Jesus goes, no, no, no. He frames the moment and he says, don't you guys see how my father's kingdom is? Let the little children come to me. They're not interrupting me. I love these kids. Okay? He sees the children. He loves the children. He welcomes the rowdy kids in. And now he has sent you into Jersey Village, into the greater Houston area, to welcome people, to notice people to slow down and see me. Go over to your neighbor's house and ask them how they're doing. And then listen. You know, Ask your child's teacher, hey, is there another child in my kid's classroom who maybe needs a little extra attention and care? And then get to work. Uh, one of the things we do at my church, we call it a $1 car wash. It's a simple idea, but so we'll, uh, we'll buy all the stuff for a car wash. You know, most of the time when you see 
that somebody's doing a car wash and they have the sign that says free car wash, you think, oh, they're going on a cheerleading trip and they're trying to raise money. That's what I think anyway. And so, but we put $1 car wash instead of free on there. And so we'll wash their car, best car wash they ever got in their whole life. And then they roll down the window and they try to give us, you know, 20 bucks or something. And we give them a dollar and an invitation to our church. And I'm like, hang on. I was trying to, and we're like, no, no strings attached. We want to serve you. My email's on this card. If I can ever serve you, you let us know. And what we're trying, so Redemption City, we're going to mess up on all kinds of stuff. We probably already have, okay? But as God is my witness, we're going to serve people. That's, that's what we're going to be about. There's a 16-year-old in our church, a young man named Micah. Love the kid. Love the kid. Absolute stud mother, okay? And so he, he mows grass as his kind of business, as he's a teenager getting started. And so we talked about this a few months ago. And about a month after, I was having dinner at his house. And his dad said, hey, Micah, tell Matt, you know, kind of what you're thinking about how you're going to serve our community. Your role, 16-year-old. In serving our community. And he goes, yeah, so I started mowing a couple of widows their lawns for free. Oh, man, that's awesome, man. You know, pat him on the back, that's amazing. And I go, well, how did you find, how did you find these widows and then start mowing their yard for free? And he said, I looked for tall grass. You know? It's not rocket science. Ministry's hard, but it's not complicated. Just find a need. You know, I doubt that Tabitha signed up on a paper sheet for the widow ministry as it went around her Sunday school class. Okay? You don't need Pastor Avery's approval. Just see a need, find a need, and be Jesus to those people. Okay? Here's what I'm saying. If you're waiting on Pastor Avery to tell you what, you did, what to do, you've kind of missed it. You know, and I'm sure this great church, they offer you plenty of ways, serve days, and $1 car washes. I'm sure that y'all do all kind of things like that. But where the rubber meets the road of your Christian life is you take the initiative to find these kind of people. Okay? And find and by the way, these kind of people, all of us, who here isn't in need, who around us doesn't have an emotional need or need a friend, need a shoulder to cry on, okay, so these people are all of us. So go find an anxious neighbor and listen to them. Serve that elderly lady in your apartment building, okay? Students, sit with that kid who nobody will sit with. Nothing can be more life-changing to a fellow student than somebody showing them attention and care, okay? Jesus served people with no strings attached. Think of Zacchaeus. A little dude had zero friends, right? And he was eaten up with greed and selfishness. He was miserable. And then so Jesus called that really wicked guy. And he wasn't, Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man, okay? But he was wicked. Okay, he took advantage of the poor. He was a bad guy. But Jesus called that really wicked guy down from a sycamore tree and said, Hey, man, let's go get something to eat. If Jesus didn't start with, Oh, wicked sin in the sycamore tree, I condemn you today. No, Jesus goes, Hey, man, let's get some peanut bread and talk. Let's, let's form a relationship. Now, Jesus ended up discussing his sin with Zacchaeus, but that was in the context of a friendship after the meal, okay? Zacchaeus, at this invitation, was pumped. Nobody wanted anything to do with him, much less go to his house for a meal. And you can read the, the rest of the story in Luke 19 later. But after one meal with Jesus, the greediest man in the Bible goes, man, I'm about to give all my money away. I just want you, Jesus. And see, that's the thing about radical people to do radical things and this is where we enter the story Jesus has called you to himself so that you can love people in a radical way so that you can recline at the table with sinners and outcasts and broken people and needy people, people just like us offer your life to God you know we don't change by changing, I mean we don't change by hoping we change, we do change by changing, I'll say that in a second, we don't change by just hoping more, the old business adage uh, 
serves us well here, that hope is not a strategy. Okay, so, okay, great. I hear you, Pastor Matt. Let's get it. I'm going to serve people. Okay, when, where, how? Are you going to set aside time? What's the habit? What's the, what is your next step that you're going to take? So you change by changing, by living out the life that the Bible describes. Okay? Find someone in need, and then Jesus and his spirit uh, will change you, and then from the inside out. You know, the, the more that your world is about you, the more angry and tired you'll be. Have you noticed that? But the more that it's not about you, the freer you'll feel. And, you know, God's kingdom is oftentimes upside down. To be blessed, you give away. To gain your life, you lose it. So according to the Bible, the objective is not to learn to love yourself, it's to obey Jesus. Okay, so the total shift from everything that the world is preaching to you. So God's way pushes against the world's way at every turn, man. So let's read verse 42 again as we close and head into the invitation. It says, And in all of this, Sabbath is salvation work good news spreads fast so you know we started a church during the pandemic and to be honest with you i don't know exactly what i'm doing but i just got a feeling that if we serve people we're going to be all right that if we love people like jesus loves people that we're going to be fine if you will find somebody to serve this week maybe that can be one of your 2023 goals if you'll find somebody to serve it's going to become known all throughout church and village and all throughout and many will believe in the lord so if you would bow your heads and close to begin the invitation time. I, I, in a room this size, I know that you bring a lot of things into the room. I do too. So first, I, maybe let's just quiet our hearts. Our world is filled with so much noise. Let's just quiet our hearts and open our hearts to God. Maybe you want to pray something in response to the message today. God, I, here's how I want to be for the week. Here's how I want to serve somebody. God, I'm sorry for not serving. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.